Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. title of today's message is Sign of the Times. Yesterday, I had to go to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. You know why? I've never been to one. You know why I went? Because I'm getting old. Now, I went because Maria, my wife, thinks I'm having a hard time hearing. So the doctor asked Maria, when did this start? She answers the first day we got married. (laughs) Oh my goodness, the sign of the times. It's crazy. Things that our body goes through. Let's take a look at Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. I'm going to read it one more time. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Okay. Now, sign of the times. They say that Israel is like the hour hand. Jerusalem is like the minute hand. The Temple Mount is like the second hand. You have to remember when the Bible was written, it was written primarily to the Jewish people in Israel. A lot of times we put it on that God is speaking directly to us here in the United States of America, and we have to be very careful how we um, interpret the Scriptures, and we don't want to take them out of context. We want to keep them in the context that they have. Now, God is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word is living and active like a sharp two-edged sword. It gets right to our heart, gets right through our spirit. It speaks to us as we spend time in it. Definition of the word drama. It's an exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events or set of circumstances. Doctrine is a belief or set of beliefs held and taught by the scriptures. So many times today and throughout history, people have itching ears, the Bible says, and they try to go to places where there's a lot of drama, where there's a lot of bells and whistles to get their emotions charged. Well, 
the biblical doctrine that God has passed down to us overrides any kind of drama. God's word is the doctrine. The doctrine, I'm sorry, the doctrine is the drama. In God's word is everything that we need. Everything that goes into our breathing and moving and living is right in God's word. But how much do we get into God's word? How much do we dive into it? Is this the one time of the week that we do it? If you come on Wednesday, is it twice a week that you do it? Church should be a place where the pastors and elders are building you up for works of ministry that when you're in your homes, in your jobs, in your neighborhoods, God is working in you those things that you're being taught. But you know what the best is? Is when you're one-on-one with the Lord. When you're spending that time, this should be just icing on the cake, or this is just something that gets you motivated to get into God's Word yourself. Where you're a student of the Scriptures, you're a disciple of the living God. Disciple, a disciplined learner. Someone who's taken the time to learn those things that your Savior, your Creator, wants you to know. Now, many of us, excuse me, many of us, we're really tied up with the eclipse, the solar eclipse. Okay, and millions, millions throughout the United States made it a holiday for themselves. Bought the glasses. You know, if you saw the pictures, you might have been one of the people like lying down on the ground and just waiting for everything to happen. And you were with friends or maybe had, you know, music going. People celebrated in all kinds of ways, some weird ways. You know, there was all kinds of ways they were celebrating the eclipse. Now, you knew the eclipse was coming, so you got ready for it. It was on the news. It was in the newspapers. You might have went out and bought the glasses. because you knew it was coming. Yet, for thousands of years, the scriptures have been foretelling the coming of Christ. And the question is, are we ready for that? Are we ready for it like we were the eclipse? Or was that momentary thing that took place last week, something we get more ready for than for God working in our lives and God coming back to this planet one day. That's something I think we all have to check our spirits with. Don't you? I think we have to say that. Are we caught up in a moment? Or are we looking our eyes off of the temporary and we're looking for eternal things? Of course, it was some beautiful pictures and I'm sure... The magazines will keep coming out with everything that took place on this day. And like I said, millions turned out for it. But are these the signs of the times? Are these things that God wants us to get wrapped up into? I was talking to Pastor Paul this past week, and he said, um, a lot of times 
the, the eclipses in our life block the sun. S-O-N. The eclipses block the sun. What is it in your life and my life that might be clouding or covering or darkening Jesus Christ in our lives? That's something I think, again, we all have to be concerned with because it only takes a second to cover the sun. The heavens are a medium which God uses to clearly and unmistakably communicate his existence, power, and glory. In Psalm 19.1, David tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. And that's in Romans 1, verse 20. The heavens, therefore, leave humanity without excuse for any disbelief in God's existence and power. For God has made it plain to them. Also in Romans 1, verse 19. It is the gravity of this realization which moves us to worship him. It's the gravity of this situation that makes us to worship him. Got a question for you. Should Christians consult horoscopes? The purpose of a horoscope is to gain insight into a person's character and foretell the future. The basic belief of astrology is that planets and stars exert an influence upon our lives. Those with special special knowledge, astrologers, can predict events in a person's life. It's very distressing that most major newspapers, and I know in my school there's a periodical that comes out every couple months, and on the back page of this student newspaper, there are horoscopes. And what's even more distressing is that many Christians read their horoscopes. The Bible expressly forbids divination, sorcery, and hidden arts in Deuteronomy 18, 10-14. God's people are to heed God only and no other source of guidance, information, or revelation. You should reject it outright. shouldn't be a part of anything that you do. In Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Our trust is in God alone, and we know that he will direct our paths. Now, astrology opposes biblical teachings in at least two ways. It advocates faith in something other than God, and it is a form of divination. People guide their lives a lot of times through the horoscopes. But as Christians, we should know that our lives are guided by God's Holy Spirit living in us. We read our Bibles, we talk to God through prayer, and we gain wisdom and guidance through his word. The word astrotheology comes from the Greek word astron, which means star, and the word theology, which means the study of God. Since ancient times, man has worshipped deities associated with the heavenly bodies, the stars, the moon, and the sun. 
talked about in Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 5. And this practice is called astrolatry. The term astrotheology is more specifically applied to a religious system based on the observation of the heavens. Astrology or astrology and star worship, very common practices in the Old Testament. And it was forbidden by the Mosaic law. The first and the second and the Ten Commandments addresses idolatry, including the worship of images of celestial bodies. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above. And that's in Exodus 20, verses 3 and 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 19. And Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 3. True theology looks up at the stars, the moon, the sun, and sees proof of God's glory and worships him for what he has made. It does not worship the creation, which astrology does, and it does not view the creation as a symbol of God, which astrotheology does. In Matthew 16, verses 3 and 4, it says, Today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but not the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. What was the sign of Jonah? Jonah being in the fish three days, three nights, correlated to Jesus Christ being in the grave three days and three nights and resurrecting. That was the sign of Jonah, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or the hour. No one knows about that day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Daniel 12.9 says, he replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. <clears throat> None of the wicked will understand but those who are wise will understand. Wisdom comes from the fear of God. The healthy respect and fear of God. That's where wisdom comes from. People who don't have a healthy respect or fear of God aren't wise. They're categorized as wicked. So they're looking for certain signs and wonders. And we know that the enemy can produce signs and wonders to mislead. Christians, beware of what the scripture says. Know your Bible. The Bible 
in the sign of the times, the Bible presents a certain paradox when it comes to the end times. On one hand, we have Mark 13, 32, which tells us, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So the angels in heaven don't know when the end is coming. According to this verse, not even Jesus himself knows when he's coming back, but the Father. Yet in Matthew 24, 5 and 8, Jesus says of the impending end of all things, Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you dare not be alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pangs. There's an event that's coming up September 23rd this year, this next month. where the stars are going to be aligned, and there's a lot of predictions behind this. Before we look at some of that, I just want to talk about some of the signs of the times that the Bible talks about. It talks about nation, nation against nation. Another way, it talks about ethnos against ethnos. Ethnic groups against ethnic groups. Wow, huh? Where's that happening today? All over the place. Not just here in the United States of America. In Matthew 24-7, Christ gives us one of the signs that the end times are approaching. And that's nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. False prophets. In Matthew 24, 24, Jesus warns of another sign saying, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Beware of false, false prophets. Some pe people preach Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Know your Bible. Don't be faked out. Recognize the real versus the counterfeit. That is your responsibility to know God's word inside out. That's important. Another sign of the end times is moral decay. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4, Paul writes of a sign, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self. Or does that say that people will be lovers of selfies? I think it's self. I don't think it's selfies, okay. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, this was back in Paul's day. I think we can say, well, it's very evident in our world, right? It's, it's here today. 
It's in the movies, it's in, on TV, it's in the songs, it's in our country, it's overseas. It doesn't matter where you go. There's a moral decay. I just heard on the radio that a, a sex offender might get off because a judge might go along that the child gave consent. What is that? It's moral decay. It's crazy what's going on. Another sign of the times is a great tribulation. Of this time, Christ says in Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. This tribulation will be set off by an action of the Antichrist and conclude with the coming of the true Christ. Now, the Antichrist has not been revealed yet, but I'll tell you what, we see a lot of prepping. We see a lot of uh, shadowing of the possibility. The world is crying out for leadership. How many times in the last couple of years have we heard the word globalization? And how many times in the last couple of decades have we heard the new world order? The prepping is there. It's one of the signs of the times. Earthquakes in many places. Earthquakes play a big role in biblical prophecy in Matthew 24, 6 and 7. Christ says that there will be famines and earthquakes in various places when the time is near for his return. Now, one of the things I'm going to emphasize a few times today, we don't know a day or the hour. We don't have dates or times. The Bible is very clear about that. But it does, says, it does say the seasons. When you start seeing these things, know the seasons. Things are approaching. Things are getting ready. You can Google earthquakes in the world, and you can see earthquakes are always happening throughout the planet. And there's more earthquakes that are happening now than ever before. So there is an increase in the intensity of the earthquakes. <clears throat> Signs in the stars, another sign of the end times. In Luke 21, 25, 26, Christ speaks of the sky, saying, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And on the earth, the stress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaking. And we're going to talk about that a little more. My... Um, encouragement to all of us is we want to not be in despair. We want to prepare. We want to prepare and not despair. Christ tells us the importance of the signs when he says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. That's it. That's the essence of why we've been made aware of the signs, so that we might know that Christ is near and take heart. And so we might prepare ourselves. How do we prepare ourselves? We're preparing ourselves right now. We're fellowshipping together. We're reading his scripture. We're talking about it. We're chewing on it. 
You prepare when you do your daily readings and devotions and prayer. You're always prepping, should be. You should always be prepping. You should always be moving forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So these are some of the major signs of Christ's return. And we see most of them already. We can just pick up a newspaper and see that. Now, Matthew 24 is a great scripture to read because the apostles, like you and I, were concerned with the signs of the times. And in Matthew 24, the Lord covers these things. What's happening today, more than at any time, is there is a convergence. There's a coming together of a lot of the prophetic signs that have never come together before like they are happening today. And this should be something that excites you and gets you really into God's word even more because his word is true. He has put in his word there for a reason. In Isaiah 17.1, it talks about the destruction of Damascus. Isaiah 17.1. Now today, Damascus is pretty much in a lot of ruins. A lot of people feel that in Damascus are weapons of mass destruction. That they could be taken out at any time and one of the oldest cities in creation could be obliterated. That would be a fulfillment of Isaiah 17.1. Now, in studying this and preparing the lesson for today, I found out some very um, inf informative things that I wasn't aware of in the past. And I don't know how many of you are even in tune with this. But this particular thing that's supposed to happen on September 23rd, this will be the 84th time it has happened since Christ was on the earth. There's a cycle of about every 11 years or so that this takes place. This is important for us as believers to understand because the world is already caught up in this. If you were here, I guess a month or a couple months ago, I had talked about the Feast of Israel, the Fall Feast and the Spring Feast. The Spring Feast, all of them have been fulfilled. The four have been fulfilled. There's three Fall Feasts that still have to be fulfilled. One of the Fall Feasts that's coming up is the Feast of Trumpets, which takes place just a few days before the September, I think it's the 20th to the 22nd, um, is the Feast of Trumpets, and then it leads right into this particular event that everybody's looking at. Remember, signs were for a wicked generation looking for signs. Signs are more for the unbeliever than the believer. Because as Hebrews says, we saw in Hebrews, God speaks to us how? Through his Son. Through his son. That is crucial for us to understand. People today are, are following all different signs. But as we know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. 
But people are following all different sides that they're getting lost on or confused or they're unsure of, they're unclear of, they're perplexed, disoriented, bewildered. What do you do when you come to this traffic sign? <laughs> Which way do you go? And we laugh, and it is funny. But spiritually speaking, I'm going to say billions of people are there spiritually. There's only one way. God made it very clear. What an evil God it would be that gave us all different ways to confuse us. huh? Think about that. That wouldn't be a very loving God very compassionate God that would give us all different ways, different ways to choose, you know? Thank God that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Depending on your age, when you were first church, if you're an older person here today, if you couldn't have won that race today with those two young teenagers, you've heard this song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus says the Lord. Do we need anything else besides God's word? Do we need anything else besides the heart of God being expressed through the word of God? And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He dwelt on this planet for 33 years. He showed the greatest act of love by going to the cross and dying for us. And Satan thought he had his victory. But three days later, he popped up out of the tomb. He won. He won the victory over sin and death. He's alive. His word is alive. As you spend time in his word, he reveals to you his word. He reveals to you It never stops. His depths is unknown in his word. How far are you and I willing to dive and dig? Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Him more. The signs of the times are going to be looked for outward things. The signs of a believer in Jesus Christ is to find things in his word. To be excited for what he's showing you in his word. We see some things mentioned in scripture about the stars. We see in Job 38, 31, and 32. Can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the Maseroth in its season? Or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? I went into this study a few weeks ago to try to show you in the stars the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was a reach for me to do that. It was a reach. It wasn't plain in the scriptures. One of, the key, one of the verses that talks about the uh, constellations is this verse in Job 38, 31 and 32. The Maseroth is the constellations, the 12 constellations. 
the two main constellations that would have anything that we could identify with the Bible would be Leo the lion and Virgo the virgin. All the other ten are some reaches. There is a dragon. And the scriptures talk about the dragon being Satan. But it's a reach. It's a, it's a stretch. As we saw in Hebrews, it says, God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Now, millions of people will be enamored and, and excited, similar to the, the eclipse that just happened with September 23rd. There are some <clears throat> Christian people that are making bold claims about it. But I need to ask you and prepare you for this. Remember Y2K? Remember the uh, Myron calendar? Remember Harold Camping and the things that he predicted? What does that do to the view of Christians and the Bible if a thing doesn't come true or doesn't come to pass? How after they never not to look into it again? That is why it's important that we are in God's word. <clears throat> in Amos it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. <clears throat> there is a famine in our universe. There is a famine of knowing God's word. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. God has chosen you. You get to partake of his food, his word. You get to be nourished spiritually by God's word. There is a famine in the land. And that's one of the reasons so many crazy things are going on in our world. You and I as a whole planet, has been created in the image of God. But the world has kicked out Jesus Christ from marriages, from school systems, from the courts. No wonder everything's so nuts. Think about it. They don't want God in the running of their world. What has to happen? Chaos, confusion, violence, hatred, ethnic groups against ethnic groups, the sex slave trade, more drugs, more, more uh, um, laws being passed for the legalization of drugs. What is God doing in our lives? What's he doing in your life and my life? For the first time in U.S. history, there are more Bible studies than ever before in the Pentagon, the CIA, 
the White House and the Vice President's House. Why is that happening? Is there going to be a, a, a national revival? Is something taking place? Just a year ago, evangelism was going to be stops on the streets of the United States. You were going to be reprimanded or even arrested a year ago. Open Bible studies were going to be taken away. Certain things that we would say from the scriptures here, whether it be the Old or the New Testament, would be viewed as hate crimes. God has given us a window of opportunity. We need to understand that. Will that window of opportunity of his grace be forever in our lifetime or will it get smaller and smaller and disappear? We have to be students of God's word and we have to be ready to tell others about Jesus Christ and use the things that the world is enamored with to point them to the true star, Jesus Christ. Here's a picture. It's, it's kind of hard to see, but on the right side, it's a clown. And he's juggling books. And he's drawn a great crowd to listen to him and watch him. Those are the bells and the whistles. On this side, there's a preacher with his, the scripture. And there's only one person watching him. Be aware of what tickles people's ears. Why is everybody gravitating to one thing? There is an enemy of our souls. Bible says he's Lucifer, the devil, the dragon, <clears throat> the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. Those are things he does. He tries to steal from you. He tries to destroy you. He tries to kill you spiritually and physically. There's an attack on our mind. God's truth and God's love is always trying to penetrate our hearts and our minds. But what's going on in the world today? Just think about this. The arguing and the pretensions that are out there. Think about that. What's going on? It's crazy. I've never seen this in my lifetime. For the young people, you probably think it's just normal stuff that goes on in the world. Never since the Civil War has there been so much divisiveness. Just in our country alone. Are you willing to take Jesus at his word? Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Are you willing to take him at his word? Will you tell others about the good news? That Jesus came to die for you and your sins? Will you contend earnestly for the faith? Will you give Christ first place in your life? Will you study his word? Will you let your light shine for him? Will you return good for evil? Think about these uh, groups that go against each other. They're always fighting. They're beating each other up. Will you return good for evil? Will you be a person of prayer? 
the world, the Christian world, I don't think understands the power of prayer. The power of submitting and surrendering yourself to God and pray. We have an opportunity, what is it, a week from Wednesday, to come together as a body of Christ to pray. As a body of Christ. Trade Center went down, the churches were packed. An outward event caused an inward stirring. How about this? How about the inward stirring always being there and looking for an opportunity to come together as a body of Christ to pray for those who are hurting or in need? I'm in hurting. I'm in need. How about you? I think we're all hurting and in need. We all need prayer. And then we have physical people that are sick and hurting and families that are hurting. How much do we really care? It will be shown by what we do, not by what we say. At his word, will you lay up treasures in heaven instead of on earth? The things that we're doing for the Lord? Or are we more concerned with the things right here that we see rather than the things that we don't see? At his word, will you love your brothers and sisters? How are you doing a year later with that person who really irks you in this body. How are you doing? Do you find yourself softening and being a little more friendly or maybe praying more for the conflict between you and that other brother or sister in Christ? Judgment starts with the house of the Lord. We're criticizing non-Christians who are fighting each other. We're doing the same thing in the church. I individually need to change. My heart needs to change. God has to change me to be more like Him. To make my enemy my friend, my brother or sister in Christ. At His word, will you look forward to His second coming? More so than that guy on the motorcycle was looking forward to the eclipse. The prescription is listening reading, taking in God's Word. If somebody comes to you with something in the sky, in the heavens, in a newspaper, find it in the chapter and verse. And if you can't find it in the chapter and verse, it's fluff. <clears throat> it's fluff. If you can't find it in the Scriptures, doesn't mean much. Could be a sign of the times, but not a sign of Jesus Christ. To reiterate, as we close here, six biblical signs of the end times, but I'm going to give you some more. But these are some that we looked at. Nation against nation, false prophets, moral decay, earthquakes, great tribulation, signs in the stars. I already talked about when Pastor Paul was fixing uh, the pizza shop up here. The hot scripture, the Isaiah 17.1. Psalm 83 and Ezekiel 38-39. These are things that could be fulfilled in our lifetime, in the next couple months. Could happen like right now. Prophecies. Not things that already happened, but things that still have to happen. Do you realize in the first time in the history of the world, Russia is only a few miles from Israel? They're only a few miles with Iran, with Syria. They're right there. 
Ezekiel 38 and 39 talks about the further, furthest north country coming down into the mountains of Israel. Think about it. A lot of things are lining up right now. They're converging together as never before. We always hear about fake news. A lot of fake news out there. Right? A lot of fake news. Don't know what to believe. Talk about the clown with all the different philosophies and books. But everybody was going there. They had itching ears to meet their personality or their feelings. There's only one real news. There's only one good news. And that, of course, is the Bible. God's love letter to you and me. 66 books written by over 40 authors, over 1,500 years between them, some never met. But it reads as one book because it has one author, that author being God himself. And he chose men to write down his heart. And they obeyed. And they wrote it down. And it's irrefutable. People have been trying to get rid of this book forever. They'll never get rid of this book. It's up to you and I to hide His Word in our hearts so that we do not sin against Him. Signs don't tell times and dates, but the closeness of the seasons. Signs don't tell times and dates, but the closeness of the seasons. Remember the Scriptures talk about birth pangs. Just as we had a couple great baby dedications here today. Boy, is that, and those moms will tell you, when that baby was ready to come, those pains that were spread out were coming very rapidly. Well, the birth pangs are getting more, they're increasing more and more, scripturally. We talked about earthquakes a little bit. There's been pestilence, national disasters, falsehood, wickedness, signs in the skies. One world religions, one world governments, one world economy. You know, the internet is, pretty much controls our economy. Think about it. Just think of the control that the internet has over the economy. Mark of the beast. Think about Wisconsin, all those people getting chipped. People getting that little chip in them. Is that the mark of the beast? No. But is it a precursor? Is it getting ready for that transition? That's what we're looking for. What are the signs telling us in line of the chapter and verses in the Scripture? 2,500 signs, about 2,500 signs are in the Scriptures. Many were fulfilled in Christ's first coming. More have been fulfilled during the church age of which you and I live in right now. Many more will be fulfilled during the tribulation. Luke 21, 28 says, when these, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. When you start seeing these things, don't get caught up in the things. Look up, because God is going to come back. He's going to take us to be with Him. What glasses are you looking through? As you walk through this world, as you walk through your life, what glasses are you looking through? 
And you might say, well, Pastor Vinny, I don't wear glasses. Not talking about those kind of glasses. What glasses are you looking through? Are you looking through the world glasses that try to interpret things and explain things? They're not an authority. What I would like to encourage you is to always have your spiritual glasses on. To look at everything through the light of the scriptures. What the scriptures are revealing to you in light of what's going on in the world. One day all this is going to end. One thing, everything's going to be packed away and you're not going to be here anymore. But Jesus gives a hope beyond this planet. He gives us a hope beyond this world. And he loved us so much that he sent his only son that whoever puts his trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But that's what we have to look forward to, an eternity with Jesus Christ. You've been listening to to every generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.